start spreading the news. The news has been spread. Aaron Judge back in pinstripes. The biggest story, I think, as I sit in my Aaron Judge t-shirt, we're here. Couldn't be more excited to film this this po- film, record this podcast. Matt McFeely here with me as normal. Also going to have Matt DeSanto on. We're going to go talk everything, all the ins and outs about Judge, as well as everyone's favorite, fraud or applaud. Really good episode in for today. Guys, it's an Aaron Judge day. Uh, what a wonderful way to have this midweek and to start the podcast, as I always do. Matt McFeely, what is going on? Nothing. And classic always, Matt DeSanto, what is going on with you? What's going on? Riveting to start. Aaron Judge inks his deal among so much Twitter uh, speculation, I'll say. If you if you missed it, uh, first of all, the first thing I'll say is get out from under your rock. Second, I will say John Heyman comes out with the report last night that the Giants and the Yan- Giants and Aaron Judge were close to a deal uh, or that it was even agreed upon, I believe, was even the, the wordage, the, the verbiage. And instantly, Twitter was ablaze. And Yankee fans, all of us included, we all have all spoken the side when this was going on, that we considered Judge gone. And until he actually is, I think this is a lesson for all of us, as well as Mr. John Heyman. You need more than one report to confirm it. Less than 24 hours later, Aaron Judge is not only a Yankee, but presumably going to be the next captain of the Yankees and also the highest paid player in baseball history. The floor is yours, guys. Let's hear it. Well, let's start with, like, there's no captains. So, like, how cheesy would that be if they're like, oh, let's have the only captain in baseball, the last one baseball's ever going to have? What would be the the point of that? He would just be, like, the de facto captain. Well, he is, but it's just right. it's just the optic of it. It's just like it means nothing. Almost it, it it means nothing. But I think it's there's something to be said, and I think I've said this before. Just the aura of being the Yankee captain, I think, is just is just something that is just no other team can offer. And not that it not saying that it came down to this in in any light, but the Yankees could offer that to Judge, and it's just something that no team can offer. That Hammond report bothered me more than I talked about. Like I got it right here. To just be can yeah, I, to just like to, being in that world where you like have to be first and who cares? It's so like you kind of like lose all credibility. I don't, it was really lame. And you, what's interesting is like this happens this, this happens with all these guys, all these beat reporters where they they report things a little too early, but I don't know if it's ever happened with the biggest free agent right on the market. You're like, I think, uh, I think, was it Nightingale with Brad Hand a couple of years ago? Or was that the trade deadline that the Mets got Brad Hand? Oh, I do. I, re- I remember that, actually. Yeah, I don't, that, I don't remember like, who it was. That was a big deal. And it was Brad Hand. But his first tweaks, I, I screenshotted it immediately when it happened. Arson Judge appears headed to Giants. So silly. It, it was really bad. But look, let's let's get over that. I don't, I don't want to sit here and rip John Heyman. I think he's getting enough shit for that. I'll ask Matt DeSanto first, as our as our guest and as our MLB Yankee guy here. What, this is step one for the Yankees, and I think it's a, as a collective, as Yankee fans, I I can say that uh, this is a wonderful first step. But there's a way to look at this where this is no step because they're just retaining someone. And we, I've spoken to you directly, and I've asked you. The Yankees always say, you know, we've got this guy. We're bringing this guy back, and we see that as an acquisition. 
and we've spoken before, but now here we are where Judge, being that acquisition, how does this affect the Yankees going forward? I like what you said there with this is no step, because I actually do believe that they almost look at this like it's no step, because they knew they had to get this done in order to build the rest of their team. And if they didn't get it done, then it's a different direction that you're building your team. But no matter what, he needed to make his decision for them to make their next decisions. And so now next decisions, you do you mean like, well, before I even get into next decisions, build the rest of the roster. So in, in building the rest of the roster, do you think that, and we spoke about this previously, what effect did like Rizzo have on bring judge back? Cause I thought, I, I think I am not alone in saying that I thought it was kind of, intriguing that they signed Rizzo not only so quickly, but first. I'm not sure it had too much of an effect. We've talked about this before. I'm, I'm sure it had a, a little bit of effect, but when you're dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars, I don't think you're going to choose a team because your buddy's there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, but he's, but now as, and McPhail, you said this before, as like the de facto captain, I mean, how much of like the air would have come out of the, you know, out of this Yankee clubhouse, if Judge, in fact, did go play for the 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 Padres or the Giants. Yeah, not even just the clubhouse. I mean, like, the Bronx would have rioted. It actually would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> it would have been great. Look, we, we're big uh, big fans of misery on this podcast. It's one, I love it's misery. one of my favorite things. Um, but, so now I guess we can get into, look, Judge is inked. It's, he's going to be like the poster boy of New York for the foreseeable future. I mean, until, until he's like dethroned what we spoke about this before McFeely, who's, who else is in New York? That's like, you know, the poster boy for New York sports. You can Zach make, Wilson. Not Mike. White. Let me just go through the teams. <laughs> no one on the jets. I mean, Barkley, he might be out after this year. It's, no. it's Aaron judge and it's not close. He's the highest paid player in baseball. Mets get Verlander. They have Max Scherzer, Lindor, all amazing players, but I think he stands in a class on his own. Yeah, of course he does. And and because he's a he's he's a forever Yankee, now. And a forever Yankee indeed. And now I'm sure you guys saw the the story about the Time article or the uh, about how he won Athlete of the Year. And within that article, a couple of interesting tidbits came out about how he was unhappy with. Cashman leaking the previous uh, contract offer before the season, as well as a little story or, you know, tale he told his girlfriend that in 10 years he would, they would be married and he'd be playing for the Giants, which immediately when that came out set off the largest flare signals, I think, in all of the Yankee fans' minds. But now sitting here today, it's almost like, you know, we got to the edge with Aaron Judge, but we kind of held him onto the cliff. I think that he has mastered playing the game. I agree. I 100% agree. I'm absolute it's master. Un- it's unbelievable how good he did it. Yeah. It, the the fake TMZ video, whatever that was, that crap of him going to, to San Francisco when that came out. The the showing up in a, uh, in a Bucks jersey at the at the game last night is the, the total the, Floyd. Never see that from yeah. Judge. The athlete of the year stuff. He, he, I don't know if there's somebody in his ear that's advising him how to be so perfect at this, but I, I think he's better than Jeter because Jeter was boring with it. Jeter was very boring with how he handled the uh, public and the media. Judge is doing it like how you're supposed to do it because he's still personal and somewhat entertaining when he does it. 
But but now, so yeah, I agree with you. Whoever's helping out Judge, if anyone, like look, like I don't think I would put it past Judge to just be like this kind of smart of a guy, you know? Like could be him. Yeah. He's not. He doesn't come off as just like a nozzle, for lack of a better term. But he's again. I think that there's definitely good. He has definitely good surroundings, and I think that he values that. Like I think in today's world, you know, excuse me if this is out of turn, but. Like, how much does it really mean to be, like, you know, close to family or close to home? Like, if I want to talk to my my mom, I can FaceTime her from anywhere in the world. Like, Well, it definitely doesn't matter when you have $360 million. Yeah, and it's it's something that uh, – because – and here here's the thing. This is what I'll say to people that, that kind of were on the team of, like, oh, he wants to play on the West Coast because he's from there. The, the, the Padres offered him – close to I think I heard like just under 400 million dollars for an, with an extra year on top of that and he still said no. He, it was about the Giants ahead. though. It was about the San Francisco no. Giants. And can I can I comment on that? I don't think that he ever ever thought that he would end up being a giant. After everything that's coming out cuz uh. Cashman said that uh Cashman said today that Steinbrenner is the Mariano of closing deals. I saw that. And and I think Judge wanted to be a Yankee the entire time, but he's not an idiot. He's not going to accept a low offer, whatever. He knew he could make more. He knew he could get more, but he knew ultimately he was going to be a Yankee, and that's exactly what happened. So okay, so I don't think I don't think the Heyman report, the false report, was nothing. So are we are we saying that we think Judge did something to set that off? Well, hold on. Let me let me answer uh, Matt DeSanto's first point first because I had definitely had something to say about that. I think Matt, when you say that he never wanted to not like not be a Yankee, I don't know if that's true because and I look, I 100% agree with you about the fact that, you know, he did this perfectly. He's been very good at, you know, gambling on himself and he's won every every gamble. But like if that was the case, wouldn't you think that his side of this wouldn't have been that he wants to go play near home and for the Giants who are, you know, in today's MLB, kind of in no man's land. But don't you think he would have marketed himself to kind of say like, oh, I want to go play. Maybe I'll go cross town, play for the Mets. I like it here, but maybe I don't like this organization. Or maybe I'll, maybe no. I'll go to the Padres or the Dodgers. Because wouldn't that up his market? Well, being, how, how do you that's not actually the teams he's asking how about. How do you that's no, the Mets if you never had an offer from the Mets? If the no, Mets were never interested. He, Sam's saying, why didn't he pitch himself to other teams? Yeah. But that's But that's not playing it perfectly. Yeah, well, you're right. You're he, right. But I think he, that I don't. Th- so you're saying like he pitches that he kind of sat there and, you know, in his own thoughts one day and said, hey, I could really sell myself that I want to go play for the Giants and I know they're going to bid for me. Is that what you're saying? But he it kind of but he didn't sell himself. His camp is so tight knit that none of this stuff ever got out. All these media guys were so mad. And this is why, why Heyman got it wrong is because nothing ever came out of his camp. And media i don't know if it was fabricated or not maybe he was interested but it was exaggerated for sure that he wanted to go home the giants are a landing spot blah 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 blah, blah. giants had money to spend they got that owner who wants to spend money and maybe they they caught the bait on that and that was able to get him because i think i I saw reported eight for 300 was the yankees first offer this offseason they might have got him another 60 million just using the giants using one team to to run run it up and have Steinbrenner have to butt in and seal the deal. All right. Well, that was my point about the, the Heyman report though, because 
like I said, I don't think that that's like, I don't think that that was a nothing burger. So like, no. if he never wanted to be a giant, how does that come out? What, like, where would Heyman even get a scoop like that? If I Judge never really had any real interest. I saw something interesting because Heyman is notoriously close with uh, Scott Boris. I saw something that Boris leaked it to Heyman. This is all conspiracy, but it, it would make sense because if Judge was to move on, it would, or once Judge signs, it's like dominoes start to fall and he's waiting for the Correa market to pick up. So you're saying that he, he leaks it to Heyman in hopes that his guys get signed quicker or the market heats up for them? Yeah, the market heats up. It's That's purely conspiracy. I think a, a sports writer tweeted it, but I thought it made sense. It's it's interesting, and there's I definitely wouldn't put it past some of these sleazy agents and whatnot, but I'm um, not saying Scott Boris is, like, sleazy, but you know how they are. They're, it's always it's all a game. Um, He's probably a sleazy I would, lean, <laughs> I would lean towards more of the fact that I think Judge – probably had like a small ballpark in his mind of what exactly he wanted. And I think that the Giants offered him that the, what he wanted. And I think that he, I really do think he could have been very close to leaving. However, I don't think he agreed to any deal with the Giants. I think the Giants presented him what he wanted and immediately turned around and told the Yankees, I want you to match or beat this deal because I want to play for you for this deal. Like, like I think point blank – he has the number in his head, and at, when that offer was on the table, he took the – I think we talked about leverage. I think he kind of played the Giants a little bit in a way. 100%. Because he kind of – Played both sides. He did play both sides, but he, the fact that he signed with the Yankees, I don't know how true – I don't know how like – I think he was serious about playing for the Giants if the Yankees wouldn't meet it. Like I don't think that it was ever – like to say that he never wanted to play for the Giants and they were just a ploy the whole time – like, what happens if the Giants offer that and the Yankees go, mm, can't do it, sorry, Judge, see ya. Right. You know what? If the Yankees you know said what's... we're sitting pat at 300, he's a Giant right now. I agree. Yes, but you know what's being left out is that these meetings he had with Steinbrenner. He had two meetings face-to-face with Steinbrenner before all this went down. And then what ended up sealing it was Steinbrenner in Italy calling him and saying that this is all from Michael Kay, whoever he heard it from, because the I, the first time I heard it was from him that Steinbrenner called Judge, talked to Judge, said, "What?" So first thing he asked him was, "Do you want to be a Yankee?" Judge said, "Yes," and then he said, "What's it going to take?" And he said, "Not the extra year because the Yankees, I guess, were at eight for three twenty. It would come out to mm-hmm. so another 40, the nine three sixty, yeah, yeah, and and that was enough." So I think the where that report comes from is an Andy Martino article in SNY because I I read that mm-hmm. verbatim this morning. Um, and I thought it was interesting, but again, I think the, the more interesting thing or the most interesting thing about that was, yeah, I mean, you could take whatever you want, like, you know, how, now we know, I guess, how has the final say in stuff like this, which is an interesting thing. Not that we ever thought it was, it was ever not how, but I think there's definitely a class of Yankee fans that thought that, uh, how could be a puppet to Brian Cashman. I don't think, yeah, can we put that? Can we put that to um, bed? Yeah, I'm, the, I'm the, officially putting that to bed. That he's not his dad, all that yeah. crap. I'm, I'm done yeah, I mean, the Yankees have, I think, they're the first team with three players that are going to make over uh, like $30 million in a year or something like that. It's it's $300 million contracts. They're the okay. first team with three $300 million so, contracts. So first team with $300-plus million contracts, in Judge's case, four hundred, almost $400 million. They're not cheap. Uh, it, to the fact that people will sit here, and you know we're going to hear it. We're going to be midseason. Yankees are going to go after someone. They're going to start talking about free agents. 
And the Yankees, some, some class of Yankee fans is going to say, well, you know, if George was alive, he would go buy this person because it happens well, why, why do we year. even Why do we even entertain that? We know they're we in don't. the top five payroll. Every, why are we even talking about that? Because so many people talk it's about so it. Many yeah, people. but it comes we're, with the, we're it comes above with the it. losing. It, it honestly above does. That. And I think it's always interesting because just, I mean, just taking a step back, not even from Judge, but just like a Yankee perspective. As soon as I turned on MLB Network this morning after I read all the stuff about uh, about Judge signing, I, I see uh, who's the guy from uh, MLB The Show? Matt Vaskersian's on. And the first thing he's saying, totally, he literally just point stopped and said, Yankees fans will always complain about not losing. Go be a Cleveland Guardians fan. Go be a, go be a, a Minnesota Twins fan. You know, the Yankee fans cry about haven't, haven't been to the World Series since, you know, so-and-so. Haven't won a World Series since 2009. In relative baseball terms, that's a short amount of time. And, yeah, it's frustrating. And I think the problem, and McFeely, where I'm going to circle this back to why do we entertain this, is because every time they don't make the World Series, that comes up. Because the Yankees have this preconceived – Yankee fans have this preconceived notion that win, win or failure – and right, right. But we talk about this all the time. It's not, it's not like, I don't even blame the fans because the Yankees haven't changed their mission statement. Right. So, so how are you going to blame a fan for be, for being upset about not winning when it's, oh, championships, not championship. And we expect to win every, like, can we just cut it out with the Yankee garbage now? Like, it's, you know what I really it's different. contributed, what I contributed to, which neither of us three in our mid twenties experienced this, well, but the winning that? in the nineties. And and the older generation and them just being brainwashed by that. Well, you're you're right, and I actually heard John Boy talking about that today. You're a hundred percent right, and it's I think I guess to much of McFeely's uh, dismay. Look, signing Judge is is only going to deepen it. I think because he's still like I think the, so long as they have these bridge players, like Jeter was the bridge into the next generation. Now Judge is still going to be that bridge into the next generation. And I think that it's just going to be forever ingrained so long as the Yankees operate in their professional, you know, golden chair, golden toilet kind of aura. And so I guess my, what I'm trying to say is uh, strap in because it's not going anywhere, to be honest. I'm over it. McFilly mentioned it, but I'm a Yankee fan and I'm over I mean, it. I'm over it too. And, and like conventional thinking would lead you to believe that it's just like a, a silly way to think. But I, I, at the same time, I, I, I'll kind of back it up in the sense like, you know, when you hear Brian Cashman talk about championships, not championship, which is like his, like, you might as well have it tattooed on his forehead at this point. Like, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to say, yeah, you know, I'm good to win one. Let's win one. I'll, I'm cool winning one. Or, you know, as long as <laughs> no, they, but as they as beat they it, they beat it to year, death, though. I, but do they or do the fans? They. You think so? Yeah, it's a combination. I think it's a. I think the. I think I sit somewhere in the middle. I think it's. I think it's probably like the the Yankees may have started the fire, but the the fans definitely add on to it. No, the, I think the Yankees fuel the fire. You think by at the end of the year press conferences, it, it, ALCS Game Seven doesn't matter. Failure didn't make the World yeah. Series. Failure. Well, but yeah. but like again, like what do you want them to say? I know. I, I you just don't comment on it then. You, uh, you don't fuel I, it. I mean, like. He's but they're the only team know. that talks like that. So what do you mean? What do I want them to say? Act like any other organization. I, but that's where I disagree. I don't think like in terms of like the post postseason press conferences and such. I disagree. I think I hear that from every team. It's just I think that I think Yankee fans hear things through Yankee headphones. 
And I think. Do you have a cold or something? <laughs> no, it's not me. I think Matt's moving something. Yeah. Or unless he's got, he does in fact have the cold. Um, I, I am wearing my Yankees headphones, if that means anything. That, it doesn't. I'm electric. That That's electric. I got my Aaron Judge shirt on, put it on as soon as he signed this morning, haven't taken it off, probably won't Get take it off grip. until opening day. Um, but Matt, I guess the, uh, do we have anything else we wanted to say on Aaron judge? Do you want to get into the next moves they're going to make? Yeah. I, I want to get into Aaron judge real quick. If you're Aaron judge, how much, uh, how, how much of that contract do you owe, uh, Rob Manfred for helping you? Um, wow. Yeah. Helping you with that fraudulent. We still don't even have a, a true home run record with the Goldilocks balls for Aaron judge. How, how much <laughs> money do you owe Manfred at this point? It's, it, it's crazy. And it's like, honestly, like you, Baseball stinks. Well, I'll I'll post the chart. Baseball does stink. <laughs> I'll post like that chart that you're kind of referencing the goal, about the Goldilocks yeah. balls and stuff. You, we'll get into it another day, uh, but it, it definitely a podcast that will be on the horizon as baseball yeah. season comes near. But it's yeah, a sign me up for it's that. a it's a bombshell report. Honestly, uh, yeah. the fact that it's I'm still mostly making that a joke. Is crazy. Yeah. No, I, I I'm, making, making I'm, joke, I'm making like a like a Yankee hate joke, but like. Uh, for real, baseball stinks. The statistics are there, though. It's so strange. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like they're they're yeah. like committing a crime, and they just like know everyone's going to find it out eventually. Like it's a is it's like really just folly. Um, so past judge, right? Like I know, I know. Again, we've said that this is just uh, this is a no step for the Yankees, but and I guess Rizzo is also like you can consider a non step forward, but. What's next for the Yankees? They've been in talks about Brian Reynolds. I thought that would be a nice move. I think the fact that we haven't heard much might mean it might be like fizzling out a little bit. Don't know. I heard Rodone, uh, name, Rodone's name come up very, very often today. That, Looks that would like be that big. That could be close. That would be huge. And I think You were on that. Yeah, and I, I, I was all over that. I really, really like that fit there. And I think that they're definitely, uh, in, the, they're definitely in the market for another arm. I would even like to see Bassett on the Yankees, possibly. I think he fits. McPhilly, you said this earlier when we were talking. He fits. He. We already know he could pitch in New York. Um, I think well, another thing about Bassett that I, I really like is, or at, the, at least the Yankees will really like, is he's very, very, like, of an analytical, almost like, dare I say, Trevor Bauer type mind, where, like, he's always looking at spin rates, how to, you know, really focus in on his mechanics and whatnot and making them, the most, I guess, like appealing to uh, pitching coaches and his production. And I think that's the kind of stuff that the Yankees love too. So what I'm trying to say is like that, I think that relationship could line up very well, but I mean, I've said enough. We've had our, we've had our free agency preview a couple weeks now, Matt DeSanto spot on a lot of our, a lot of his uh, guesses thus far. So I'm going to commend you on that, but what's next for the Yankees? Are they um are they one of those six teams in the uh the Senga sweepstakes or no? I think they were, but I think yeah. I think with the judge thing and like the fact that there's just so many more like you know, if you're the Yankees, like you're really gonna sign some some guy that you're gonna take a giant risk on. Look it, it's worked. It's worked, but I'm sorry I'm I'm sorry if I'm being uh ignorant here, but is that the uh that's the starting pitcher, it, right? Not the outfielder. Yeah, I, yeah that's yeah. the starting pitcher. That's I mean the they're pitcher, definitely yeah. in the market. And I wouldn't be stunned to see them do it, but I just think that you know, as so long as guys like Rodone and Bassett are on the market, I I think that will, that you could probably I, I would mark the Yankees off that list. Yeah, I, I think that they I, I didn't even think about it. I didn't the Yankees for Rondon when I did those predictions a couple weeks ago. 
I, I didn't even consider it, but it looks like they're the favorite and you were, you were saying it and I, I just didn't believe that they were going to want to spend after giving judge a monster contract. That's what I was just going to say. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to make predictions in baseball. Like, it's so much easier when there's a cap. I, I don't know yeah. what they have room for, what they don't like. We said they have three guys with 300 plus million dollar contracts. Well, I, I don't really know what their, what, what their propensity is to keep stacking up. Well, I'll say this. I think that there's a lot of like moves that, I think the Yankees, even if they don't like, I think they will sign people, obviously. Uh, what, the caliber of those players, I don't know. But I will say that there's a, definitely going to be a lot of moving parts in the coming weeks for the Yankees. Glaber Torres' name has come up in trades. I just I mentioned about Brian Reynolds possibly being a, uh, I guess, center field option. If not, it's some DJ LeMahieu insurance in the, in the, at second base even. Uh, you know, then you got Josh Donaldson. They already signed Tommy Canely back for a great. Uh, what many people saw was a great deal. Uh, he was a great arm for the Yankees in the past. Adds to a bullpen that, quite honestly, I think they're good on the bullpen right now. Like as long as they go into the season healthy, they have a stud bullpen. They have they're like five six deep there. Don't think the bullpen is much of a concern. I think they add one more fielder, one more outfielder, and one more arm, whether that's via trade or free agency. And I think they call it an off season. I got your arm right here. Some breaking news. Oh, no. No, no, no. New York Yankees select left-hand pitcher Pablo Mejica from Kansas City Royals in the AAA phase of the Rule 5 draft. Great. And uh, the 15th pick in the Rule 5 draft, the New York Mets select Yankees Zach Green, right-handed pitcher. So future legend. Future legend. Um, We'll see how that goes. Anyone else want to say anything about Judge before we get into fraud or applaud? Uh, I hope he crashes and burns, and I hope uh, I hope the Yankees regret it for years to come. Okay, so speaking about crashing and burning, fraud or applaud, definitely not crashing, burning up the radio waves. We hear get rave reviews every week. When are you guys going to do another fraud or applaud? When's the next fraud or applaud? Can I come on fraud or applaud? Eventually, we'll get there. I had somebody come up to me on the street the other day. It's <laughs> look like the the New York Times, not political. New York Times. It'll be on the front page soon enough. If you're not listening yet. You know, just just stay tuned for more of these fraud or applauds. I got a good one. The topic. We know Aaron Judge is a huge, massive individual, right? So, I I was scouring the baseball reference hub of some of the other largest players in MLB history, and I came across some good ones that, quite frankly, I want you guys to tell me if these guys existed or not, and are these stories fraud or applaud? So whenever you guys are ready, you guys can get your stretch again, do your little mental mental stretching. Let me know when you guys are ready, and we shall begin. So how do I approach this if if I already know the list memorized? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that, uh, let, me, let me put it this. If you do know, lay out. But I think that I, if you know the backstory behind these guys, like... Uh, and you need a life, really. Yeah, get, let's get outside <laughs> a little bit. Um, so I will start with number one. Walter Brown, coming in at a whopping 6'5", 320 pounds, played a measly 14 games in the MLB. However, while coming up in the levels of the minor leagues, played on the Hickory Crawdads, in which he was on a team which included Jose Batista and Met legend Rajay Davis. All while leading the Crawdads to become the best team in the league during his stint there. Fraud or applaud Mr. Walter Brown. I'm sorry, what, what level are the Crawdads? What, what team is that even? Very, uh, I think they're like independent league. 
I'm very familiar with the crawdads, and I'm not making that up. Okay. Oh god. That 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 much I know is true. So Walter Wal- Brown. Oh, that just sounds like the fakest name. It, does. it sounds like it's in a math book. I'm telling you, this McFeely texted me when I told him I had a fraud or a plot ready for today, and he said I'm going three and zero. I'm going to say he's going to go for three. Just, just keep that in mind. Of the crawdads, do you have any other? Can I can I ask you some questions on uh, Walter Brown here? Um, you can ask. I I don't know if I uh, will have the answer, but what what's your question? What are you looking for? Was Walt so Walter Brown played with Jose Batista? Correct, and Rajay Davis. And, Not in and, the MLB. They played on the Crawdads together. Okay. Yeah, I, I McFeely. I, I don't know. <laughs> what, I, so, I've read a lot of baseball reference. Why, and I yeah, why, why are you familiar with the Crawdads? Like, what what country do they even play in? Uh, they are a they. Maine. They're in. Uh, they're an American team. They they got to be a northeastern team. I've heard of them before. I, I have a lot of hats. I will say there is another Walter Brown not on this list. 5'11", 175, played in 1915. You could very well be getting that confused. I see, I knew. I knew I knew Walter. I'm going to applaud this. I think I'm going to fraud it. Final answers? Yeah, I'm yeah. locked in. That's an applaud. That is Let's true. Um, they, Him, Raji Davis, and... Um, Jose Batista, some were even saying, so, look, I'm not a crawdads reporter. I've just heard murmurs. They could have been the next big three. The LeBron stole their, their spotlight, but that is an applaud. Uh, Walter, big Walter, they, he was called. Were they, were they baseball players or basketball players? No, they were, they were baseball players. It was a baseball team. Where is this crawdad uh, team from again? Can make me punch it up. Give me two seconds. Hold on. The Hickory Crawdads? That is right. Hickory Crawdads. Yes. I I do remember that part of it. Are you familiar? This is ridiculous. I thought I was familiar until I looked it up. Walter Walter Brown or Walter Young? This might be some We uh, we disallow cell phone usage during fraud or applaud, so you better put uh, it away. Yeah, put it away. Thank you. Are you you guys familiar with Walter Young, though? Yes. Okay. Um, Number two. Not related. I don't think so, at least. My research did not lend me that far. Jumbo Brown. <laughs> His brother? <laughs> not related, I don't think. My, my research hasn't lent me that far. Born in 1907, came in at a whopping six foot four, two 295 pounds. Jumbo would play 12 years in the MLB for the New York Giants, the New York Yankees, Cincinnati Reds, and the Cleveland Indians. Considered to be one of the most one of the pioneers of what we now know as the modern day closer, Jumbo was also known to throw the Jumbo Ball, which, much like the Spitball, was popular at the time. The Jumbo <laughs> Ball, per many reports and stories, I was pretty taken back by this. Actually, consisted of a non-motion ball, very similar to a knuckleball, per reports. However, when he threw the ball, instead of coming over the top with his arm, he would almost shot put the ball. To the, to the batters, and also some batters would sometimes call it even the shot pitch. So, Mr. Jumbo Brown and his jumbo ball and the shot pitch, fraud or applaud? You're an absolute mad genius if you made all that up. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I think that the player probably existed, and then he just uh, probably, like, smoked a little ganja and then just went crazy. The boobange? 
Yeah. Um, let's see. Do you, are you allowed to make like Jumbo Brown existed, but Sam just bullshits all that stuff? You can That's do a that. Fraud? Yeah, he did that with a quarterback last week or some it's a bastard. That makes it hard. That is a because then, then if you just because then if you just heard of the player, you would know the answer. Um, I mean, we know the, the the ridiculous nicknames that people back then had, so I'm not putting it by calling somebody who was 300 pounds yeah, jumbo. I agree. Um, I'm going to say the player existed. Do I think all that other nonsense was true? <sighs> I'm going to applaud it. I, I, if Sam made all that up, I I, I tip my cap. I'm going to tip my cap and say that he did make it up. I'm going to fraud that. I'm going to say the player existed, the rest of it, or at least most of it, untrue. McFeely would be right. However, uh, McFeely is actually spot on, did make that up. However, he while looking at this, when I saw his name among the list, I kind of was like, okay, this guy just like a bum, didn't pitch. But he actually was like a closer, and I think one year he led the league with like seven saves. So I just kind of threw in the fact that he was a pioneer of this, the closer position. Um, so there was, there was some... A jumbo throw a jumbo ball? There was no such thing as a jumbo ball or the oh shot pitch. God. That was totally made up. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine a, jumbo ball. a 300 pound man. <laughs> like, these guys then, like, in like the 40s or whatever he played, like, I think he played in like the 40s, they were, they were throwing like ridiculous pitches. The spitball, like they were probably literally licking the ball before they threw it. Yeah, I yeah. can't believe I applauded. That. <laughs> yeah, that was that's that bad. That's bad. That should be my last appearance on the show. So two and zero. Oh. Yeah, I've already clinched the win over uh, Matt Santo over here. Yeah, I'm but, done. But out. did you clinch the three and zero? Oh? <laughs> we'll see. Let's see the last one. Calvin Pickering listed at six foot five inches, two hundred eighty three pounds during his time in the league. The pride of Tampa, Florida, would have an immaculate five-year career to which he batted 223 and hit 14 home runs. However, after his stint in the MLB, he would go on to play with the Bridgeport Bluefish, Schaumburg Flyers, and the Kansas City T-Bones, to which, astonishingly, would consistently hit 300 in the, in the minor leagues, but never make it back to the majors. Fraud or applaud, Mr. Calvin Pickering, 6'5", 283. Okay, so I think it would be fair for you to give us a time period, an era. I think that that's... Okay, uh, give me two seconds here. Riveting radio right now. Uh, he played, to look something up, that's crazy. His, his uh, career was... You were alive during his career. Hmm. Calvin Pickering, I was alive during his career. Baltimore Orioles legend. Can you give us a quick little rundown of what you said again? Just, like, don't go through it all. Just a quick little, like, spark note. Yeah, uh, batted two twenty three in his short stint in the MLB. Uh, hit 14 home runs in the MLB. Then would go on and just miraculously be a god minor league hitter for, let me pull up the names, Bridgeport Bluefish, Schaumburg Flyers, and who everyone's favorite, Kansas City T-Bones. Did, did, did he play internationally? Um... Yes, he did. Hmm. Little hesitation on that. Little hesitation. Am I thinking too much about this? Well, what are you leaning right now? 
think I think I'm leaning fraud, but like I I think this might just be a, a straight up fraud. What is Calvin Pickering? He, I thought you said Pickery at first, and then you switched it up. Gotta you gotta roll the tape back. Calvin, I don't know, what, do you, what do you think? Calvin Pickering. Also, thinking, uh, I'm, look, I'm researching the uh, his his whole career, and I can confirm he is a uh, very devout um, overseas player. You know what? I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm applauding this. I think that yeah, you know what McFeely is not. I'm applauding it too. Final answers. Yep. Matt. Yes. This is also applaud. Calvin Pickering. The legend, the pride of Tampa, Florida, and the pride of this show now that maybe McFeely's biggest biggest supporter, honestly. 3-0 for the first time. McFeely, what do you have to say about yourself and that illustrious performance you just put on? You know, sometimes you're going to have doubters and you just can't listen to them. You got to come out here every day and you got to just, you know, do your best. I stayed true to myself. I told myself I was going to go 3-0 today and uh, I made it happen. So The Jumbo Brown call was quite quite something i must say i thought i was going to get you with the jumbo ball along the lines of the spitball and you know yes. i wanted that to be true so bad yeah what a 300 pound man shot putting baseballs <laughs> <laughs> well thank you <laughs> and he was a closer thank you for playing uh first three no and i think on the next fraud or applaud i think mcfeely has earned the the driving spot We'll yeah, also, I think that was my second three and zero. Yeah, we, we've mentioned this before. The uh, the the lost episode. Phantom three yeah. Me and McFeely Fa- went three yeah, and Phantom three zero. Never never heard of it before. Um, it's controversial. Well, Matt, thank you. Uh, and we're gonna get back to regular regularly scheduled programming. Okay, bye, Matt. You want me to sign off? Bad boy, baby. And to be honest, while everything is bright and sunny on the baseball side of things in New York right now, I think it's not unfair to say that it's getting a little dark and gloomy on the football side of town. The Giants are the Giants come out with a tie against the Commanders in a huge division game this weekend. And the Jets, quite frankly, I think they just lost to a better team. But let's get into it, right? Let's talk about what do you want to do first? Giants? Let's get right into the Giants. Yeah. Giants come out with a tie. And, like, there's a couple schools of thought when you think of a tie. It's you didn't lose, which is the glass half full, but you also didn't win, which is the glass half empty. Uh, my qu- first question to you, Matt, uh, like are you glass half full on this Giants team or are you glass half empty on this Giants team? No, I mean, I'm glass half empty just because of the schedule and the way that things have looked lately. Um, I mean, you figure they're going to have to beat Washington uh, in their building in a couple of weeks. Have to. Yeah, this, this game didn't go the way I thought it would. I mean, I really thought... You know, we were talking about, like, is, is maybe uh, is Saquon starting to wear out a little bit? And, listen, he had a fine game. He had a touchdown. But, I mean, you know, 63 yards on 18 attempts. I mean, it's not a bad day, but it's not what was helping them win football games earlier in the season. And one thing that we are we all spoke about on the preview of this game was 
that we were talking about how Daniel we need to see more out of Daniel Jones. And I thought he, well, you know, if you look at his QBR, he had like a 31.8 QBR, which looks miserable, right? But he's 21 of 25 of 31 with a touchdown, no interceptions, and also ran for 71 yards. Yeah. On 12 attempts, which is, I obviously, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, but I would just go out and guess that that's probably the most rushing attempts he had has had this season and probably will have the rest of the season. So, I, you know, for Daniel Jones, all the Daniel Jones, I guess, critics, I think he played a good game, right? This might be a game where people point and say, again, might look at his QBR, might look at the fact that they tied a home game against the Commanders and say he didn't play well enough. But I think if you're the Giants, you know, there's a couple bad drops in this game. The Darius Slayton drop was really, really bad at the end of this game. Definitely most, in my opinion, very game-changing of a drop. Um, but I just think this was, this was a game that the Giants played well. And I think, what did we say going into this? These two teams are, like, pretty evenly matched, right? It was tough. Everyone we spoke to was kind of on the fence about it. And it ends up in a tie. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, so... I think it's almost like a stalemate between these two teams, and, and they they meet again. What is it in like two weeks? Yeah, the yeah, Giants go to the are going to lose to the Eagles this week at home, which is going to be rough. Yeah, and then the they go to the Commanders in you know coming off a tie and a lot, and I'm predicting a loss in this next game in your division. The Heat will be on the Giants on the road in Washington. Yeah, I mean, it, it was nice that they sort of found something in Slayton there. I mean, you know, besides that uh, that pitiful drop. Uh, you know, he racks up almost 100 yards. Uh, yeah, I thought Daniel Jones looked good, but it's it's a it's another one of those games where once again we come out of it saying I didn't learn anything about him yet. And I guess that's pers- that, that's the fault of the personnel, I guess. But you know, all season we were saying like ah, I don't know what the Giants are going to do with Daniel Jones. Let, let's see, I got to see it for a whole year. But it's like every week we leave with this same just I don't know sort of feeling. Yeah, and. I feel like the Giants are just really, even if you look back to the trade deadline, they've just been in limbo the whole year, right? They didn't want to give up any future assets to, you know, go get a weapon, right? Go get any of these the wide receivers that they could have got at the trade deadline. Go get a, you know, and literally they didn't make any moves. And I think that's just a testament to even they think that they're in limbo. Um, so some people might call it nothingness. I would say if you're a Giant fan, I think you can still, unless you lose out, which would be really embarrassing, and definitely is not off the table. Yeah, I no, say. it is. I was just going to say it's um, off the table. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so before I even get into that, what I was about to say, is the Giants' mission statement right now, don't lose out? <laughs> well, I, I guess their mission statement is still, let's find a way to sneak into the playoffs. But let me ask you this. I'm pretty convinced that while I think this is a successful season, make the playoffs or not, I'm pretty convinced that they're the worst team in their division. Wow. You mean, not? And now, now, well, what do you, let me, let me rip that apart for a second. Do you mean like currently, or do you mean like in terms of like currently, but also looking towards the future and assets and all that compiled? Well, I mean, uh, currently, currently, because I, I mean, like, listen, Dallas and Philadelphia, obviously head and shoulders, but um, yeah. I think, I think Washington's a better team. The Giants don't have a Terry McLaurin, even Brian Robinson Chase played Young. a great game and yeah, the, the defense is better. I even think Taylor Heineke is a little better than Daniel Jones. Like, I, I think that that's kind it's of... It's not crazy to say. Yeah, I, I think that's a better football team. So, but all that considered, you know, I, I would consider this uh, season a, a success, barring losing out, which would just be embarrassing. Yeah, losing... I mean, losing out would be uh, really bad. And again, we, we're, I'll look forward here because 
the Giants' schedule, we just we just spoke about it, but yeah. Well, they, before you even do that, I'll give you this. I think that their goal right now is we have to beat Washington and we have to beat Indianapolis. Like those are the two games that are kind of like have to have. Yeah, well, I think so. Even if they get one of those, they're at eight wins, and then. I mean, do you do you, can you see them beating the Eagles? Let no. me let me hold on. Let me propose this. They played the Giants. Play the Eagles in the last week of the season. Could it very well be that the Giants are playing for a wild card spot in that last game, and the Eagles have nothing to play for? Well, is I mean, I, like I would the say Eagles could, a... could very easily. You know, let's say Dallas loses one or two games. I, I really think. I mean, I think mathematically, if Dallas loses two games and the Eagles. I think win two games. I think the Eagles will clinch the division. Sure, I think, I'm just not, mathematically. I'm not sure what seeding is going to look like and how much that game is going to matter. But yeah, I mean, it's a thing to think about for sure. But I mean, before yeah. you before you even get there, I, I really think beat Washington in DC, and you have to beat the Colts. You have to. Yeah, and I, I mean, the Colts have looked, you know, decent. Yeah. But there, you know, I think the Giants. You're right. That I think the season will end, regardless of what the the Eagles are. You know, anything we just spoke about, how like the you know playoff berth and whatnot. Regardless of what that is, and you know, the second to last week of the season, that is a must win. Yeah. Right. Even if even if you you've lost, even if they lose to the Eagles, then lose to the Commanders, and then lose to the Vikings, so they go into the Colts game with three straight losses and a tie. Y- you still have to win that game just for like the fact to say that you didn't lose out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'll tell you what, I don't think there's any love lost for the Eagles. And I think if there's even like a, the idea of playing the starters in that last game of the year, I think the Eagles will just to put that nail in the coffin of the giants. Yeah. And part of you feels bad for the giants because you know, in one sense it's funny that they started off. What were they? Six and two, seven and one, whatever it was. And they're not going to make the playoffs. You don't see that very often, but I mean, you have to feel bad. This division is just loaded. Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, and where's the exit for the Giants? Like, let's say the Giants do get a good quarterback, right? They still, they're still going to have to deal with the Cowboys for the foreseeable future. The Eagles are most definitely not going anywhere. Yep. And just like you said, the you can very easily make the argument, and I kind of agree, that the Commanders just have a better core than the Giants right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and a core that's that like you know Chase Young obviously you can say what you want about him and his injuries uh, I believe he's actually going to be active for the first time in weeks this week um, if not if not limited maybe but uh, but yeah I mean like look at the if you look at the Giants right you mentioned Brian Robinson and Terry McLaurin and Chase Young like what do the Giants have they got Dexter Lawrence who's going to be a Pro Bowler obviously Saquon Barkley is going to be a Pro Bowler. And then there's a huge gap. <laughs> there's a yeah. really big gap between like the next guy, right? Because yeah. on, on both sides of the ball, to be quite honest, um, I don't know. I think the giant. I don't think the Giants will lose out. I I think they'll beat the Commanders. I think that there was. I think there was a lot of opportunity for the Giants to have closed this game out, uh, specifically yeah. in overtime. One call that I did question. There was about a minute 30 left, and it was like fourth and four at the – I think they were at like the – close to midfield, maybe like the four, their own 46-yard line or something. And I, they punted the ball and almost like saying like we're going to accept the fact that like we'll give you the ball, but like I'm pretty much going to accept the fact that you won't drive you know 90 yards and win this game. The commanders didn't. But my question is, as soon as I saw that, I was like, 
how do you just lay down like that? Like, yeah. it, like you should have just at least gone for it. And then like, you know, if you lose because you, you, you went for it on a fourth and four at midfield with the game on the line, like, you know, so be it. They still, yeah, at, the, but, at the end of the day, you still have to, the commanders still would have to get into field goal range. There wasn't field goal range yet. I know there's a lot of time in the clock, but like, I don't, to me, I thought like if I was a player on that sideline and my coach did that, I, I would, it would be gutless to me. I agree with you, but at the same time, the way the game felt as it was being played, right? Just that overall game flow. I mean, the Giants were four of 13 on third down. Like, I, I just, I could understand just not trusting that they could pick it up. And then you don't want to lose because, I mean, a tie keeps you alive, sort of. I get it. A tie's but... not the worst. You're, and you're right. It's, a tie is not the worst thing in the world, especially in. I have a feeling that this tie is going to, like, somehow, like, come into play with the, the seating. I, again, totally speculative. There's a lot of football to be played, but yep. um, I think if you're the Giants, it's, you know, we're going to get into the Jets next, but I think if you're the Giants, you probably a few weeks ago or probably thought you were in a little bit of a better position. Like, take it back to when the Jets lost against the Patriots in that game that I was convinced they were going to win. Zach yep. Wilson, you know, had his seeing ghosts game. You'd make a strong argument that, like, the Giants were in a much better spot than the Jets that week. And right now, only, you know, two, three weeks later, yeah, I think the, the tables uh, have turned a bit. The Detroit loss was sort of like the turning point. And, I mean, I think you'll agree with this. I mean, I don't I don't see this team making the playoffs. I mean, it would take a couple of, like, big-time upsets. But, again, that said, I think the season's a success. I don't really know what they do moving forward because it's a very complicated situation with the quarterback. And, you know, I guess you have to tag Barkley. I don't really know how they're going to go about bringing in some talent. They're going to have some cap space. But um, yeah. I mean, I, listen. I think they win one more game this year. And I think I, I think I agree with you. Um, like you said, they're going to need to pull out an upset. Um, honestly, if, if there's, you can kind of even say if you look at the standings, the Giants have seven wins. The Eagles have eleven wins. Even if they beat the Eagles once, like what does that really do for them? Yeah, it gives them a win. But like you know, their Eagles aren't the one that they're like. They're just chasing wins. You know what I mean? It's just very unfortunate that they're who they're they're playing are, you know, the Vikings and the Eagles, you can make the argument, are like two top five teams in the league. Yeah. If you so, were the uh, if you were the commissioner, I, I kind of just want to ask how you feel about ties. Are you fine with it just because it's so infrequent, or would you change it? And how would well, you change it? Well, the first thing I'll say, I don't even know if you're, like, hinting at this at all, but, like, I hate the way college football does it where they just, like, totally change the entire game for overtime. Yes. I can't stand that. I hope that never even sniffs the NFL. But I don't like ties. I think there needs to be something implemented where, you know, maybe maybe it's like they they just take the time away and almost say get a score and a stop. Right. First first team to get a score and a stop wins. Yeah, or or like, maybe maybe it's no more punting. Maybe it's, or, you know, something like that. Yeah, or you know, but even that I think that's even changing the game too much. I think just like eliminating like the, the clock and just saying, cause then, I mean, you see like hockey, they do shootouts and there's like, you know, baseball. Now there's, if you get up in the bottom of the 10th and you score one run, you win. Like, I think there needs to be a balance of, you know, obviously not going to like quadruple overtime and four coin tosses and four kickoffs. But, you know, I think you don't really need to reinvent the wheel. All you need to do is just make a very blatant rule. You need to score and a stop or you need to stop and a score. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but hockey purists hate shootouts. I'm I think sure they're they fun, but it's basically like the thing you just said about college football, where you're just you're making it a skills competition. It's not even the game anymore. So the one thing I'll say, and you know, not I'm definitely not saying anything you said is wrong, 
But the difference between the NHL and the NFL is the NHL could, you know, put on a clown show in, in overtime and they'd get 20 million listeners or 20 million viewers. Yeah. The NHL, I think, while, yeah, it's a cool thing that they instituted that. And it's, again, as, as a very, you know, a common hockey fan, I'll say, I do enjoy looking at watching a nice shootout. It's yeah. fun. But I don't think the – I think part of that, I guess, when it was created was probably just saying, you know, people are going to like this or, like, the kids are going to like this. Yeah. Whereas football, you know, I think – I don't think that really matters, you know? I think hockey's overtime had, out of all sports over the last decade, the greatest rule change ever. So it used to be five-on-five. Five. It used to just be, like, a regular hockey game. And I'm sure you're aware of this, but now it's it's a three on three, and it's so electric. There's so many chances. I love. Yeah. It. Well, I, when I when I went to the last uh, the Devils game, I went to they went into overtime, and I I didn't I was unaware of that until I was actually in attendance. So oh, yeah, oh, okay. I, I did like that a lot. Um, another thing I like a lot, I think we both are on Mike White. This is Mike White's team going forward. Hard transition there, but do you hear that? No, he sounds like. I hear this crazy cracking. I don't know what it's from. Sorry. I think you're fine. Just ignore it, I think. Um, I'm just going to do that transition over. Another thing that we like, I think I speak for both of us, this is Mike White's team going forward. Hard 100%. transition. You don't think so? I said 100%. Oh, sorry. Yep. Well, Zach Wilson, I believe, is done. Uh, maybe he's done with the Jets. Maybe they give him another chance in the offseason to kind of win back his job conversation for another day I want to focus on this last game I think and I'll let you have the floor here because I think my take is very simple I think they lost to a better team sure I think that's it and they did but it's it stings because they should have won the game you know what I mean so like sure you could say yeah they, they lost to a better team they did but I mean we're like you're at like the two yard line and you have just and whether you want to blame the throw the drop whatever they should have beaten Minnesota. So it's hard for me to just say, oh, well, you know what? They, they just lost to a better team because they should have beaten them. And I think that if they play that game 10 times, the Jets might win four. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I just think the, the talent level on the Vikings is – look, I, Kirk Cousins was miserable in this game, I thought. Yeah. I, maybe, you know, in the fourth quarter, second half, he sort of picked it up. But in the first half, it looked like, you know, if the Jets could have scored a, even like – one extra time, and obviously, you know, you look at the numbers, and if they did score one extra time, they would have won. But, like, just for momentum reasons, if the Jets scored in the beginning of this game when Kirk Cousins was, like, you know, th- he was, like, 0 for 7 at one point, I think, they could have put their foot down early and kind of made a statement to say, you know, we can hang with you, but they didn't. And I think that that's kind of where, like, I looked at this game and I said, you know, if you can't capitalize on a good team getting off to a cold start, you know, how really good are you? Like the Jets, I'm not saying the Jets are bad, but like that's just when I was watching this game, full transparency, that was my thought. My, I, I think good teams are the best capitalizers, and I thought that the Jets couldn't capitalize on that early on. And again, they couldn't capitalize on a fourth and or a first and goal at the end of the game to win the game either. So again, you are what your record says you are. The Jets are good. I think the the Vikings are just that much better than them. Sure, but if, if if you think that, then how do you explain them being, like, really, they should have won the game. Like, how do you explain them being in that position where, I mean, we're talking about, like, Braxton Berrios hauls that in and the Jets win the game. How, how do you well, explain that, then, if the Vikings are just, they're just flat out a better team? Well, because I think that the Jets, I, I think the Jets are, 
again, I just think they're good, but I think there's like they don't have a Justin Jefferson on the outside. I don't think Garrett Wilson is is him yet. I don't think that's him yet. Speaking I think of Justin Jefferson, forty five yards is that is that the uh, is that his worst game of the season? It, I mean, it, it is, yeah, but I he found but, the end zone. But but if you watch that game, those four catches were all meaningful catches and tough catches. Sauce Gardner played an amazing game. I thought the Jets defense played amazing, and I guess to really answer your question, I think if and I've said this forever, if you have a good defense, you can hang in any game, and I think that that's going to be a testament to the Jets. I think it has been a testament to the Jets. Do I think that they're as an overall team are they this good? No. I, I don't, but I think that if their defense is so elite that it it intransitively helps out the offense, and yeah. I think that's why they find themselves in these games. Um, but again, you mentioned the last play. My question is, why Berrios? And like, I saw a couple articles earlier this week that like, yeah, the Jets like him, you know, good guy, really quick, shifty punt returner. But like, they treat him like he's Debo Samuel sometimes. Like I know, like to you know, to me, like he. I get, I understand using guys as decoys, right? But you have Zonovan Knight, who's absolutely running amok the whole game. You have Garrett Wilson, who's coming on as a stud. And I, I just said he's not him yet, but he'll be the guy soon enough. And then even Elijah Moore. Like, it's been frustrating to his lack of usage, but like, I think I would put Braxton Berrios like fourth or fifth on like the, the totem pole of who should get that ball there, you know? Yeah. Did you know he's the only player, I think in NFL history, but it might just be Super Bowl era, so don't quote me on it, but the only player with a return touchdown, passing touchdown, rushing touchdown, and receiving touchdown. This year? In his career. Oh. Hmm. Do you remember, totally unrelated, do you remember when I beat you in fantasy like three years ago when Des Bryant threw the touchdown? To no, Dak Prescott, you don't, don't remember that? No, oh, yeah, that was a, that was. I a probably classic. blocked it out. So yeah. Garrett Wilson, I mean, 162 yards through the air. Sure, that's going to get a little bit inflated when you throw the ball 57 times. But yeah. I thought, I mean, you remember early on in the game when, and it wasn't on Mike White that tipped ball interception, and then you kind of just texted us game over, and the defense just stood up immediately. They they really are like they're unbelievable. They stopped the bleeding like you couldn't believe. Uh, a band, the greatest band-aid is a good defense. Yeah. And I think that was that was it. Just like you said, tip all interception to start the game. I said it. I said game is over because, like, I just I just didn't think the Jets' offense had that fight in them, right? It's like, yep. uh, I think you can, you know, rewind to, you know, week four when I said that, yeah, the Jets' defense could be good, but, like, it's going to be up to the offense to, like, you know, bank on that. You're not going to you – can, you can hang in games with good defense, but at some point you need to score. And when you're playing, you know, statistically probably the best offense in football at that point, or if not one, then two, you you definitely need to score a little bit more. Um, and, you know, they put up 22 points, should have been 29. I think we can both agree that, you know, you run back that, that first and goal set again. I, I don't know what the Jets are in the red zone, but I would assume that the odds were probably in their favor there, you know, if yeah. you combine all the odds on every single play. Um, but, hey. They got beat by a better team in my book. Um, it, again, it's not a division game. Like, no, you know, they they Mike White throwing the ball fifty seven times kind of gets me a little like weary. I you know I don't believe anyone should be throwing the ball fifty seven times, but yeah, you know game flow. Uh, he uh, some of the, some of the numbers might be a little bit inflated, but um, let's talk about the running backs a little bit. We've talked a lot about the quarterbacks, a lot about you know their their weapons on the outside. 
this this you know what do they call him Bam Knight kid is yeah, really something. Knight. He runs with a purpose, and I I think that he's going to be a very good complement to Brees Hall next year. And honestly, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, and this and Bam Knight. That's really good, and in a, in a league now where it's very rare to see, unless you have like a Derrick Henry, there's platoons all over the NFL with with running backs, and I think it's yeah. kind of like the way of the future. Are you saying say his nickname again? Isn't it? Is it not? Does it not call him Bam Knight? Okay, I thought, solid I, I thought yeah, 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 I thought you were saying damn, but uh, no. yes. Yeah, speaking of Michael Carter, I mean, uh, <laughs> full participant in practice, and you know he was playing well, uh, so he'll be back to compliment Bam Knight. Um, that, that loss just really hurts when you lose in that fashion, just cause like, you, like you said, not a divisional game. Well, you got one coming up against Buffalo. I don't see you sweeping Buffalo. I just don't. Um, so that would have been a really nice win to have. Um, and we'll get into that game on Friday, but yeah, I mean, it's a disappointing loss, but yeah, you're right. They did lose to a better team. It just hurt in the, in the fashion that it happened. So, and we'll get into our, uh, preview pod on the next episode of this upcoming week, but they they play the Bills this week. We we find out that Von Miller is out for the year. Um, he was going to be out for this game regardless, but they just beat the Bills, right? And they just like Zach Wilson played in uh, probably one of his better games, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, there aren't many. Yeah, not not many. You're right. So if you're looking at this game, Buffalo's giving nine and a half, which is a lot of yeah. points. Um, I I don't want to get too much into the weeds of this game, but if you could give me like a confidence level on the Jets winning this game, I guess to round out this segment, what would you put it at right now? Mm, winning? winning this game, not covering, winning. Um, like ten being, I think they're gonna win. One being no shot. Um, yeah. You know the the Bills have looked a little wacky lately. You know, like I don't want to say they took a step back, and I don't really know what's up with Josh Allen, but. They don't really seem like the juggernaut that they were earlier on. I mean, a, a four and a half, five, like, I, I wouldn't be stunned, cause, especially because they already did it. And that's why I think the nine and a half is a little, eh. But, it, and then I guess the last thing I'll ask is, is it, like, really out there to say, you know, if you sweep the Bills this week, or I guess on the season, you beat the Bills, you're only really one game away from being in first place. <laughs> Yeah. So yep. is is that too advantageous to say? Um, I mean maybe. I think the Dolphins are gonna go into uh what's the stadium the Chargers play at? Whatever. I think the so Dolphins I... Yeah, I, I think the Dolphins smack them. So Wow, interesting. I they the I didn't even look at the Dolphins schedule. They play the, the Chargers this week. Yep. Can I tell you something? No for I the week. The, I love the Chargers. <laughs> and uh did you have anything else to say you want to say about the Jets before we wrap it up? No, listen, I thought they played well. Um, I was I was pleased with their performance. Like I said, it hurt. But, you know, I, it is what it is. Well, back at it on Sunday against the Bills in a huge game yet again. Um, yet again, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back probably just for, you know, the, the recap. Yeah. Wait, no. Are we doing? Well, we'll be back on Friday for, you know, to preview the league. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, show gets in the way sometimes. Um, yep. As always, thank you for listening. Follow us on all our socials, and peace out.